Now presenting. And I'm so sick of people saying that that love is just all a woman is fit for. I'm so sick of it. The Cinema Chicks Podcast. Maybe I'm one of those people that has always wanted to do it, but it's like a pipe dream. Totally by guess. Snap out of it. Starring Hope Johansson. I'm not a poet. I'm just a woman. And Madeline Rancourt. Yeah, Call me Ladybird like Christine. you said you would. Hey, I'm Hope. Hey, I'm Madeline. And we are the Cinema Chicks. Hope, today, it's not only the Cinema Chicks, we are joined by one of our lovely friends. We have a guest today here on the podcast, Miss Amber Faye, who, if you've listened to our bonus episode titled Tutsul, that is about my short film, Amber made it with me, so I'm so excited to have a fellow film lover here on the podcast to discuss the film today. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to chatting with you guys. I'm a super fan. Aw, we love our fans. Thank you so much, (laughs) Amber. So Hope, what have you been watching recently? Well, as some of you may or may not know, I love old movies, and Katherine Hepburn is one of my all-time favorite actresses, if not like my favorite actress of forever. And May 12th is her birthday, which is really funny because, okay, here's a little side tangent for everyone. So my birthday is May 11th, right? So, okay, we're two Taurus queens, right? But (laughs) I was born at 11.22 p.m. Central Time. I was born in Chicago. So technically... I live on the East Coast now, and my dad is very particular about, like, you're not actually your age until, like, the time passes. So it's like, okay, whatever. So he was like, okay, since we're on the East Coast, we have to wait till 1222 because that's actually the time you were born. But then I was like, but dad, that means it's May 12th. He was like, yeah, I guess. So (laughs) weird time thing. So with my physical placement Being in Eastern Standard Time this year, I technically share a birthday with Katherine Hepburn, uh, which is the biggest flex of all time. Oh my gosh. Right? This all revolves back to the point of what I've been watching. So (laughs) on (laughs) TCM for her birthday, you know, I'm a big TCM stan. It's, It's HBO Max and TCM for me all the way. Always. TCM was having Katherine Hepburn Day to celebrate her birthday. So it was all day, back-to-back, Katherine Hepburn feature films. So I had a ball, watched The Philadelphia Story, which is one of my favorite movies ever. Uh, You can see it on my letterbox under my favorites. (laughs) Adam's Rib, which is also fantastic, which introduced me to another one of my favorite actresses, Judy Holliday. And then to top off the night, I watched Pat and Mike, which I had never seen. Terrible fan I am. But Pat and Mike is where Catherine Hepburn plays this jack-of-all-trades of sports. And she's a fantastic athlete. And she's actually playing all of these sports in the movie. She has a tennis match. She plays golf. She starts off the film as a basketball coach at a college. So, 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 so fun and good and cool, even though her fiance was smushy. That sounds like a music video, (laughs) like a sequence. Honestly, it does. playing all of the sports. Yeah, it was very, it was very music video-esque. But you know what? Like, it was believable because Katherine Hepburn can truly 
do anything. Yeah, that sounds like such a good marathon. I'm <gasps> thrilled for you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I literally love this. Oh my gosh. And you know what? In the future, they will have like a, it'll be like a weekend event and it'll be like Hope Johansson Day. And then the next <gasps> one's Catherine Hepburn Day. I can see it now. Oh my gosh. Stop. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting all, I'm getting all flushed. The most recent movie that I watched was the film that we're discussing today, Ammonite, which I think the three of us have some pretty strong opinions about but you know what that's what we're always here for we're here to share our strong opinions whether they're good or bad you know you can always rely on us to have some thoughts about these films that we're discussing Mm -hmm. oh my gosh do we have some thoughts right now and uh, i just have to say this i am looking at the imdb page right now for this film And I just have to say, I think it's hilarious because as actors starting out ourselves, I love seeing when like when the extras will put it on IMDb. And right now you look at the cast and it has Sarah White, museum cleaning woman, Liam Thomas, museum workman. And then like I want to say like eight people down, then it's Saoirse Ronan. And I just think it's hilarious because yeah, it's literally like party guest, party guest, three cups waiter and it's like all these people way before Sersha and I'm like I just I love when these people are like uh I'm gonna get my credit for this you know and they're literally coming up before her but anyways that's such a side tangent back to the main point of this this film unfortunately (laughs) is written and directed by Frances Lee and also unfortunately starring Kate Winslet and Saoirse Ronan who I feel bad for them. Yeah, not even they could save this film. And literally, I don't know if I could name like two stronger actresses. Maybe we could get like Nicole Kidman up in this or like Meryl Streep if we wanted to go like way older. But other than that, like this is an all-star cast and I don't understand Frances Lee's very, in my opinion, very, very terrible writing, why they ever signed on to this. Like, I don't understand. I know. I know. It's... I thought it was terrible casting as well, just because I didn't feel the chemistry between the characters in any capacity at all. It just did not feel like a match to me. What they were going for here was some kind of like, like, let's find two actresses with the most doughy eyes that can yeah. convey uh, longing, and and that was the end of it. Like if you if you can convey longing in an audition, that was good enough. It didn't matter who was on the other end of it or something. Like it was just big round longing eyes. So both of us would have been cast in this. I hope. Literally, we could have. We could have, but Francis didn't ask, and and I'm that's thankful. okay. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for not having an open call, Francis. Because yeah, this would have been the start of our career and the end of our career. Thank God, both Kate Winslet and Saoirse Ronan have many, many other things. They in saved their repertoire us on their resume that people will look past this. I mean, honestly. Even though I did not enjoy this, I'm looking past it. I would not put it against them because I know they do great work. And I honestly don't think it was like their performances in this that I was like, oh my God, I can't with this movie. It wasn't them. It was literally like the writing. Oh my God. I just realized I thought this was 1840s New England. It's just 1840s England. Am I? They straight British. (laughs) 
how did I not even? Weren't, weren't we? I thought saying this took place in Maine. In Maine, or weren't you saying New Hampshire? Yeah, I was like, maybe this is like Massachusetts. And then I was like, wow, like the, I, the, I don't. I don't know. I, I don't know like, why, but I thought I read New England, I was not like the New England. England. The New England Patriots. I was like, where even is that? And she's like, oh, it's like New Hampshire. I literally thought this was in New England. Okay. Well, anyways, <laughs> this is takes place in 1840s England, and it's about a fossil hunter, Mary Anning, who I did not even know that was her name until halfway through the film. Maybe I missed the point where somebody said Mary. I don't know. Also, Sersha's character's name is Charlotte. I didn't realize that until the very, very end of the film. (laughs) See, I picked up on it because the husband annoyed me. And he's like, Charlotte, Charlotte this, Charlotte that, Charlotte your convalescence. You you must bathe by the sea, Charlotte. And I was like, oh my gosh, shut up, dude. Leave Charlotte alone. (laughs) Okay, true. I Yeah, the husband in this, I hated. And now I'm looking and it's the same. That actor was in Mary Queen of Scots, which I I haven't seen, but that's another um, Saoirse film. So apparently he likes working with her, which don't blame him. But um, that film also I don't think did terribly great. So maybe he's like her bad luck charm. And (gasps) if that is the instance, I need him to go away quickly. (laughs) Oh my gosh, completely agree that – there's got to be something to that. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think what bothered me a little bit about this too, being a Saoirse stan, like mm-hmm. most 20-something film lovers are, <laughs> I am used to seeing her being a big, strong force on the screen. And here she is she, giving us range doing the most Mm -hmm. for us, um, which I love for her. I love seeing growth and seeing how much an actor can do, you know, in a different kind of period piece. But I I feel like the character, the words, the work as a whole totally did not do her justice, especially the really ugly hats they made her wear. Like it just- Oh, the hats. The hats hats were terrible. I I hated them. And Uh, the thing is, is like this reminded me, and I'm going to butcher the name because I've never, I I never figured out how to properly say it years and years later. But Saoirse is in another film on Chesil Beach or Cheesel Beach. I have heard many different ways, but that also, also because that had a lot of beach scenes and this did as well but that like she also played this sort of like meek character and like very much second to her husband so it reminded me of that but like Sersha like honey or not even Sersha like Sersha's agents we're speaking to you she does better in roles that are strong powerful young women and like there is a reason why this movie and her other films where she plays this like meek character don't do well. Like she can literally pull off anything because she's incredible. But these stories like I just uh, no, 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 no. Story two in particular. I've got a hot take on this 
the two of you, and I'm curious to hear what you have to say. I finally had a light bulb moment about half-ish way through the film after trying to figure out like what's not gelling, what's not clicking, besides maybe, you know, the casting, the ugly hats, the strong male gaze that was incredibly omnipresent throughout the entire thing. But I came to the realization that Mary totally could have been a man and it would have honestly maybe made more sense. Like her character was written like a straight white man should have played it. And I feel like Francis Lee just kind of had this realization, like wrote this whole script about, you know, this, you know, May-December romance or whatever, and then was like, oh my gosh, but what if they were lesbians? Do you get what I mean? Yes. I I can see that because also it's um, written by a man. And why is he writing about two women loving each other? I, I don't really understand. I don't know. Like uh, as a straight female, I don't know Francis Lee's sexual orientation but i would not write like call me by your name like or broke back mountain like i don't understand what his motive was to write this kate winslet totally could have been replaced for a white man and it still would have made complete sense yeah and i feel like they were trying to be like ooh, you know it's like this woman who runs this shop especially there was this scene where they're at a party and kate winslet's character mary is jealous because i will also add yes this this is like a lesbian love story so before we get into this so basically she is jealous because one of like her past lovers was my assumption is kind of getting too friendly with Sersha's character Charlotte and she's jealous and when Sersha's character Charlotte comes home she's like oh no you were the most interesting or fascinating person at that party and literally me and all my friends watching this were like I'm sorry what now since when has the character Mary been interesting ever in this I'm sorry that's a hot take but literally the entire time she's just been chipping away at rocks and saying how she doesn't want to care for you. And also something super messed up about this that I did not enjoy was literally before they start being lovers, they're caretakers, which is just a weird dynamic. Very phantom thread. Very, very portrait of a lady on fire, which I want to get into later. But Sersha's character, Charlotte, makes this point to say that, okay, so Charlotte's character is ill. And Mary starts caring for her. And Charlotte makes a point to say that Mary is caring for her like she is her child. Which was messed up to me that they have this relationship where clearly they're like, oh my gosh, you're like my mom. And then they start being lovers and like doing stuff in the Mm. ocean and on on the rock tables. I'm like, okay, didn't we just say this is like a mother daughter relationship? Like. I'm sorry, but I can't get behind that. I think it's called mommy issues. True. I just want to say about that party scene, I was, I can't front, I was kind of laughing because I thought it was such like a Troy Bolton run out into the rain moment when she left the party to watch outside from the window from the pouring rain to get the same exact view of her ex-lover and then her current little crush them like having their moment she left the seat she was in to go outside in the pouring rain and look through the window and get the exact same view at them it felt so like 
laughable and just overly dramatic for no reason. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like that high school musical moment. He runs out. He's so like distraught. You know what I'm talking about. Yes, that was the no, energy I was it's, getting. It's totally like an immature man moment to be yes. having. Like, yes. I don't know about the two of you, but I mean, like, I... I've known my fair share of um, gentlemen friends, let's call them, who like when they get in these fits and these moods like that, stomp off outside to go have a smoke because they just, they can't take it in there anymore. Like the room's too much for them. And that was very much the vibe Mary was giving off, which is yet again, another point of Mary was originally written to be a man. I'm convinced. Yeah, this is something that I hadn't thought about, but I think you're bringing up a great point. And yeah, so we'll we'll backtrack just a little bit for the listeners that, you know, maybe you haven't seen this. And honestly, most episodes I would say, no, watch it before you listen. But this, save your time. Just listen to us complain about it. Because honestly, I don't know if I would sit there and watch it. Because if somebody was like, yeah, it's a shitty movie, but you should watch it. I'd be like, mm, I'll save my time. Anyways, this episode will be much shorter than the two hour runtime that this film was. So to save your time. The film basically, it starts out because... Mary Anning, she is a fossil hunter. And Charlotte, Saoirse Ronan's character, is with her husband, Roderick. And they go to her shop and are like, oh my gosh, we love your work. And we'd love to like sit here and watch you. And she's like, I don't really want that. And he's like, well, I'll pay you. And then Charlotte gets very sick or she was sick, and I really just think she was depressed and gay and, you know, couldn't have that fulfillment but from her husband. I think her husband was annoying. And oh, yeah. She it was, was a combination of all. Yeah, and she's, like, craving, you know, just affection, attention from anything, too, which I feel like that desperation was a little too present as well for me to actually believe that she was really gay, you know? I I don't know. And maybe maybe that was like a chemistry casting issue too. But like, I'm also not 100% convinced that Charlotte's actually gay, but she really just like had a bad husband. I don't know. Yeah, I could see that. I think like in terms of the whole chemistry, I felt like maybe for Charlotte, this was something new that she was a little weary to. So like when everything seemed timid, it almost played off to me like, she wasn't quite sure if this was what she wanted to be doing. But I don't know. Maybe maybe it, it just – it did have this very, like, awkward feeling to me. But all of this comes from Roderick, the husband, saying to Mary that Charlotte is sick and he's like, I'll pay you to take care of her. She needs to bathe in the ocean and she can walk with you. Mary's like, um, you literally came into my shop one day and like wanted to be my apprentice and now you want me to like be a caregiver for your wife? So that all starts and she almost like resents her at first, but then once she gets better and they like start looking for rocks together and going to the ocean together, they quickly fall in love. So between the lesbian longing and all the beach scenes, I think anybody can draw to a conclusion that this film is basically just a big old knockoff of Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which happened to come out not too long before this did. The timing is oddly 
very close. This film came out November 2020. So mm, less than a year after. This movie just wanted to be Portrait of a Lady on Fire so, so badly. I feel like it was just a terrible attempt to be what Portrait of a Lady on Fire was. So essentially, there was a point where Mary started to like draw Charlotte while she was sleeping. I was like, get the hell out of here. I will not stand for this. You know, she she had she was very devoted to her craft and then she ended up like as she was caring for her, apparently falling in love with Charlotte or whatever. And it just uh, it just felt like such a like cheap knockoff, like such a poorly made, poorly scripted. It's like, you know, they took Portrait of a Lady on Fire and like edited the script to be something so like whack. Amber, you're so right about all of this. I had the exact same thought when she started doing the drawing. I was like, girl, you've never picked up a drawing pencil in your life. This is nowhere in your character development or anything we know of you. And then they start doing like arts and crafts together, like making this mirror. I don't know. It it was just, it was the off-brand version and not even like a good off-brand, you know? It's not like, like the Target version of a name brand. This was like the bargain basement version of Portrait oh, yeah. of a Lady on Fire. And so much less aesthetically pleasing or pretty mm-hmm. to the eye. Like Portrait of a Lady on Fire has a beautiful color palette and That's, color story. So don't even get me started on the color grade of this film. It had its moments, but they were few and far between for me. I feel like I'm just somebody who really values the color grade of a film. I feel like it definitely has the power to make or break it. And this one, it wasn't doing any favors to a movie I already didn't like the writing or the shooting for the most part, or the plot, or the characters. I didn't even like any of the characters. I didn't have a single character in this that I liked. But yeah, the color grade, it was inconsistent. Everyone looked sick half of the time. It had its moments where it looked painting-esque, where I was like, okay, I can dig this. But I was so disappointed and just distraught by this color grade, because I'm like, I can't even somewhat enjoy what I'm watching even though it's unenjoyable, like the color grade isn't even saving it in any capacity. 100% agree. Like I thought the cinematography of this was one of its redeeming qualities. And after everything you've just said, which is true, saying that the cinematography is one of the redeeming qualities kind of says a lot of just how disappointing it is. Fully, fully. And for the cinematography, there were... There were a bunch of shots that really caught my eye stuck in my head. One of the shots that I really enjoyed was more towards the end when Mary is walking in the gallery, the museum, whatever she's in, and she passes one of the oil paintings, the portraits, and her bonnet. She steps and her bonnet covers the head of the portrait completely, and it just stays there for a moment. And there were a few other scenes like that where I felt like, It was very visually appealing and things lined up. But a lot of it, I felt it just wasn't creative. There was a lot of unstable shots where I felt like they needed a steady cam operator where it seemed very unintentional. And yeah, 
there was just it seemed that there was a lot of handheld where that maybe wasn't the best choice yeah Madeline I know you were sharing some of those thoughts with me about you know your dissatisfaction with the camera operation. Do you want to elaborate on that a little? Yeah, absolutely. One of the weird things that always bugs me in a movie is I can understand when the camera sort of gets shaky to show like emotion or that it's anxious or tense or something like that. Not the camera, but like just the situation itself. And there were so many moments where I was watching and I was like, okay, what? why is the camera shaky? What's the camera shaky for? What what are we trying to do here? Like, is the camera shaky for a reason? Mm-hmm. Or you need somebody with a stronger arm or something? Like, I don't understand. And there were so many shots that I was like, I feel like they did that. And we're like, yeah, that, yeah, we were on something. Yeah, we did that. And I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> like, there were a lot of, like, odd detail shots that usually I love a good detail shot. Like, I don't I don't need to see the characters' faces every second. Like, I loved that there was one moment where Saoirse was stepping out into the water and we, like, saw her, like, taking a few steps and, like, there were some different moments there that I loved. But, like, there were some things that I was like, okay, like, can, can we, like, why are you showing me this? Like, are you just trying to get a cool, like, detail shot in there? Or, like, I don't know. It was just, it was weird. And also a common thread was whenever they were hooking up right after, it would, like, switch to inanimate objects in the room. At one point, the first time that they're, like, really together, it all of a sudden, like, goes from them really going at it to like an ammonite on the desk and I'm like um okay like I'm just kind of uncomfortable here like it was just such a weird like transition of things and I wanted to like enjoy those moments but there were just so many shots that felt like b-roll that I was like did they just did they just like edit this and be like oh shit we don't have something for oh yeah yeah put put the ocean in there put the ocean in there Yeah, yeah that'll that'll work it was just It was off to me and I'm sorry, this is like a complete roast of this film, but I just, I don't really know how many good things I have to say other than I loved some of the dresses that Saoirse was wearing. Those were great. I would love to wear them, although they looked like knockoff Amy March dresses, so I didn't appreciate that, but because in Greta Gerwig's Little Woman, we didn't see Saoirse playing Joe in the most glamorous of dresses, it was nice to see her have her moment. I did appreciate that, but honestly, like, I was so disappointed because I remember, I think it was during quarantine that the trailer for this came out, and I literally sent it to my friends. I was like, oh my gosh, this cast, and like, I loved Portrait of a Lady on Fire, but I didn't know either of the actresses. Like, I really didn't know any of the creative team for that. So I was so thrilled to, like, see something similar because I really enjoyed it. But with, like, you know, the actresses in Portrait of a Lady on Fire are incredible. But I was so excited to see Kate and Sersha take on these roles and see what they do with it. And they did an incredible job. But, like, I think, like I said earlier, Francis, I'm sorry, buddy, but your script was really lacking. And I understand the subtlety of silent moments and this, like, quiet period drama. But it just wasn't doing it for me. And I mean, I guess I I could go on and on. It was literally like the plot 
I didn't enjoy. I didn't like how it was all of a sudden this caring for, which is also another thing that they do in Portrait of a Lady on Fire. It's literally her caregiver that they fall in love. Like, I don't understand why this is literally a carbon copy of it. And the characters were just, they were not compelling to me. I'm sorry. That's that's my take on this film because honestly, I don't know if there were many redeeming qualities. I have one more point to add about the intense, like close-up detail shots. I noticed from the beginning that these detail close-up shots were especially of hands, but also with the hands, I felt like there was also a strong emphasis on women's chests so like literally within the first five minutes of the film i picked up on this i was like i feel like i'm getting a lot of shots that are supposed to be of kate winslet's hands wink wink but are actually of her chest and it just felt like really creepy and kind of icky to me and just immediately i was like oh my gosh this was made by a man like the male gaze is so stinking present in this and it's so ugly i definitely agree with you 100 percent that i could tell just from watching the film that like okay a woman didn't write this no shot no way and it's like the intentional male gaze in parts of the film is there but then the male gaze is there in every other aspect of the film anyway so it's like just overpowering and unenjoyable and uncomfortable to watch because it felt so I don't know, everything felt so unnatural and, you know, the romance that came up between them, it felt very, like, unprompted. I'm like, okay, this seems like the plot of, I don't know, what am I even thinking of? It just escalated so quickly. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, like, it escalated so quickly. There was no chemistry and now all of a sudden, like, oh, they held hands for the first time? Okay, now they're fucking. And I was like, whoa, what? I'm so confused they didn't even, like, show interest in each other. Yep. A man wrote this. That's how it be. Yeah, it it totally felt like just a long form fetishization of lesbians, but also make it a period piece too to kind of mask that. Totally agree. The ending to this film, they fall in love, they love, 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 and Mary's mother passes away. Charlotte moves back home with her husband and she sends Mary a letter with her condolences about her mother passing and says like oh come visit me so she goes and visits her and she's like I have a room for you I made you a room you can live here now and Mary's like no 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 I have my own life I'm not going to be living here like did you have this ultimatum like to just have me move here and she's like I don't want to talk about this I want to go see my piece in this British museum so I was like um Okay, so they go there and it's this very much I don't even want to say this because this is this was the worst film I've ever seen execute this sort of ending, but it was a very much La La Land portrait of a lady on fire whiplash like final look at each other what's going on you can feel the tension between the two people, but they literally are just in the museum like looking at the Ammonites And they just kind of look at each other like, uh, I don't know, like the ending. Okay, because they're both incredible actresses. Like, 
I did understand the energy between them. It was very much this like longing for each other, but knowing that it really shouldn't be. But like it literally was a knockoff of a portrait of a lady on fire where like they look at each other at the end and they like, I just, it was, it was a poor, poor ending. And I hate to say it, but I, I mean, I'm glad that I watched it because this had been on my list for a while because I am determined to watch every film with Saoirse Ronan in it because like you said earlier, Hope, we are 20-year-old film fanatics and of course we're going to love Saoirse. But this was pretty much a waste of two hours for me. Sorry, an hour and 58 minutes, I guess. And that was more than enough time than it needed. I, I, I shouldn't have even given it the time of day. And you know what? I don't think we should honestly give it any more of our time on this podcast. So on that note, that's a wrap. Thanks for listening to today's episode, everyone. And a special thanks to our very lovely guest today. Oh my gosh. I'm so honored. I'm so glad to have gotten to chat with you guys, even if the movie sucked. It was still, it was such a wonderful time. Thank you so much for having me. XO, love you guys very much. You can follow us on Instagram at Cinema Chicks Podcast and on TikTok at Cinema Chicks. And if you want to be friends, you can follow me on Instagram at Madeline Daisy Rancourt and on Letterbox at Madeline Daisy. Or you can follow me on Instagram at Hope Johansson and on Letterboxd at HJoha, where my review of this film literally just says, eh. You couldn't have summed it up better, Hope. Honestly, I think we could have just started this episode, said, and we are the Cinema Chicks, and eh, Ammonite is eh. And that would have been enough, but Mm -hmm. thank you everyone for listening to us talk about this and, you know, have a little bit of a rant. But before we end, we'd like to thank today's sponsors. The few scenes with candlelight that had decent color grading. Thank you so much. The handful of shots of both Saoirse's feet and Kate Winslet's feet that honestly made me question if I was watching a Quentin Tarantino film. And Saoirse Ronan's really ugly hats. Thanks for listening, everyone. I'm so glad we had that talk. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much.